right. Ephesians. You excited? It's Ephesians. Okay, a couple of you guys are excited about the rest of you guys need to get some coffee in you. That's all I'm saying. We'll go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We are going to continue looking at, um, as we've been putting up on it, we might be having some uh, issues with our tech uh, this week. It's not our guy's fault. It's an update on the Mac computer. We hate Macs. And um, so, at least I do. I'm a PC guy, that's all I can say. Um, but we've been looking at this, uh, this God who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. And it, he's done that with the, the understanding of salvation, that he's gone far more abundantly beyond all we could ask or think as it pertains to our salvation. But we've also, uh, starting last week and looking into the next several weeks, we're looking at how that impacts our daily lives. Because all this strong, solid, deep theology and doctrine that we looked at in 1 through 3, 4 through 6, is all about what that looks like in our lives, how it impacts our lives. So, he like said last week we started into it uh, looking at, um, it's page 1172, by the way, I don't think I said that. If you're using the Bible there in the, in the chairs, it's page 1172. So last week we began looking at the fact that we are, um, you can roll to the next one, we're connected to God's mission. So the fact, if you're here this morning, you've placed your faith in Christ for salvation, then this is what your life looks like. This is what your life should look like. This is the life that God expects of your life, that he says, if you're going to be my child, this is what one of my kids looks like. That we're connected to God's mission, and which means that we're, we're getting up every morning for the purpose of seeing people come to Christ, because that's why God the Son put on flesh to come to earth in order to draw people to him for salvation. And that we're then connected to the Holy Spirit who lives in us, and it's through the Holy Spirit and the way we respond to people that is going to draw people to him, and then we're connected to our church family, and that we need to be connected to our church family. It's the body of Christ, and so we may want to be able to grow spiritually as individuals, which we can do, but we can't do effectively if we're not connecting in with the church family. And, and through that, we can actually uh, we, we grow the, the health of the church family. And so if we're not connecting in, the health of the church family isn't as great as it could be. And when we do connect in, we begin to develop this healthy church. I just want to say something at this point. Um, kind of a little bit of a tangent, but that's okay. Paul, in his letter, went on a tangent, so I can go on a tangent. The first century church had it very easy, in one sense. Uh, or maybe they were better suited for this connecting to your church family thing to happen. Because back in the first century, there was only one church per town. And so when people had issues with each other in that church, or they had issues with the leadership of the church, whatever the issues were, they had to work it through. They, they had to remain connected to God, connected to the Holy Spirit, responding to each other the way God wants them to respond, and to work through that relationship issue, or that leadership issue. And by doing that, they grew spiritually. And the church became a healthier church. But we don't have that today. We've got multiple churches on a corner, let alone within a town, right? So uh, 
Here's what happens a lot of times in churches. A person is frustrated with somebody else in the church or frustrated with the leadership of a church. And I'm not talking about um, doctrinal issues here. I'm talking about just relationship issues or maybe ministry philosophy issues. I'm not, you know, if it's doctrinal, then you may want to consider moving to a different church. But what ends up happening is people start having relational issues or they start having issues with just kind of the overall philosophy of church, and so they go find another church. The problem with that is they go to that church and now, oh, wait, there's imperfect people there too. And so, oh, wait, I'm not really getting along with them. And there's some things about the church. I, mm, boy, if I could change it, I'd change it. And, and so like, well, I'm going to go try it. And, and what are they doing? They're just, as we would say in ministry, they're church hopping. And so they're going around from church to church to church to church to church. Two things are happening there. One, they're not growing spiritually because they're not determining to work through the issue and to grow spiritually through that. And secondly, they're at a church, and then they leave the church. What's that do to the church at the left? Because usually you know, people get involved in church. Well, it actually doesn't help the church in a health way. It doesn't help the church grow. And so um, I just want to say for our church family, there's nothing like that going on here. You know? but, and that's what I want to say. I, I just... Maybe I don't. I want to be able to say this often. We we here, you guys, our church family does an awesome job. Okay, can we get the lights a little higher up? Thank you. Yeah, so I don't know. Some of you guys are thinking, "Am I having like a convulsion here?" Because you saw the lights flickering. They sometimes flicker for some reason. We don't understand. Uh, gremlins. So if you're here late at night and you're feeding gremlins, please stop. We want them to leave the church. Um, Anyways, no, our church does this phenomenally. You guys, you care for each other, you help each other, you, you work through stuff together, and, and so I just want to thank you as, a, as the pastor, that, you know, the support I feel from you guys, and I know you guys give to each other. Uh, it just, it's just awesome, and I really appreciate that. And I hope as we grow and as we see people come to Christ and as we have different personalities and different uh, backgrounds, that we would do what Scripture tells us to do, and that is to work through the issues and go be united in the Spirit, right? And have those conversations that need to be had. And in saying that, I want to give uh, a high five to the tech guys. Uh, last week, there were some struggles, and this week, there's some struggles, and it's not our tech people at all. It's the iMac computer that we have. And um, so anyways, I want to thank, these guys were working their tails off uh, before service to make it happen. Um, again, a little different than the first century church. Paul didn't have to worry about computers and PowerPoint and all that kind of stuff. Anyways, I'm going to fly through some material today because I want to land in our takeaway, and I want to do something very practical for you. I want to walk you through some things, so bear with me. I'm going to try to move along here if I can get myself to do that without landing on a point and beating a dead horse like sometimes I do. Uh, today we're going to look at uh, this process of spiritual growth, sp spiritual maturity, um, how is it that we experience change in our lives? Okay, And so we're going to be looking at three very obvious but very difficult things to do. But I, I think if we, if we focus and, and nail the first one, the other two will become easier in the sense that they'll, they'll be more of something that flows out of who we are. And so uh, we're going to look at Three things. So how do we experience change? I'm, I'm making it very simple this morning. I'm, I'm not a 
I'm not a very uh, complex person. I like things simple. And so uh, we're going to read it, we're going to stop it, and then we're going to do it. All right? You got that? Everyone, you ready? Read it, stop it, do it. Nice. Okay? Let's pray. Uh, oh, uh, that's a bit. I was going to say, I was going to go fast. So that's it. Before I do that, though, I want to make three key points. All right? Is it coming? There. All right. First one is this. There's two there. There'll be three. Just back off some of you guys that are CD. What? Is it three? There's only two. It'll be there. Don't worry about it. I need Dan back. Where's Dan at? He needs to be laughing. Stan, come on, buddy. I need you laughing because everybody else is waiting for you guys to take the lead. First of all, this isn't rocket science. What we're going to talk about today, and really following Christ, is not rocket science. Okay? You don't have to be some, I mean, shoot, I'm following him. <laughs> you know. That's the wrong time to laugh. Hello. <laughs> yeah, you find it so easy to laugh when I say something about myself. Anyways, but it does take time and effort. Okay? So it's not rocket science, but we have to take time and effort at this. This isn't something we just kind of, you know, blow off from time to time. This is something we need to do consistently, time and effort. Secondly, it's, cir- it's circular, it's ongoing, it's not linear. You don't do this, and then you do this, and then you do this. It's all happening together, so I kind of give you a little bit of a, what that looks like. It's working again. You read it, you stop it, you do it. You read it, you stop it, you do it. You read it, you stop it, you do it. And as you go through life, you're going to continue reading it. And we're going to talk about the Bible. You're going, to keep, you're going to realize where you need to stop things in your life, which is the old way of doing life. And then you're going to do what God wants you to do. And you're going to bump up against things, and you're going to be like, oh, wait a second, uh, I messed that up. So you're going to go back to God's Word, and you're going to read it some more, and then you're going to start, okay, I need to stop, stop doing it. And then you're going to, with the help of God's Spirit, you're going to end up doing it. And then you're going to go along, and, and you had that figured out, and that you're successful there, and boom, you, know, you mess up on something else. And then you're going to keep on doing it. This is an ongoing process. It never stops until we get to heaven. And then the third is community. So I can't do this for you, and you can't do this for me. And God doesn't want me to do it for you, and doesn't want you to do it for me. But he wants us to help each other do it. And so when we talk about reading the Bible, it's going to be more than just reading it. It's about understanding who God is, and part of that is a church family. It's a community. And we need to help each other. We need to encourage each other. We need to walk through difficult times together walk through health challenges together, walk through times where we're wondering and questioning and doubting and we're we're screwing up and we're not getting it right and we need some help and we need to be there for each other, helping each other. Because when we do that, we grow spiritually and our church becomes a healthy church. So, let's read the first few verses here, starting in verse uh, 17. It says this, But this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as Gentiles. Now, Paul's shifting that term. Remember, Gentiles used to be, the Jews looked at the Gentiles. If you weren't Jewish, you were Gentile. Paul's taking that and saying, okay, I'm going to kind of uh, redefine what that word is. And, I'm, and now a Gentile is someone who's not a believer. So now, in, and as Paul's talking, there's two people in the world. There are Christians and non-Christians. Okay, so he's talking about 
the fact that prior to coming to Christ, they were considered Gentiles in the sense of not being Christians. So he said that you walk no longer as Gentiles, like you used to walk, live life, in futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance, and that just means not knowing. He's not being a mean, you know, you ignorant, you know. He's just saying not knowing. They just didn't know. That is in them because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as in truth, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, that old way of doing things, that time when you were a Gentile or a non-Christian, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. And so we see we need to, to read it, okay? So we need to be reading God's Word. Now, where did I get that? Well, if you see, starting in verse 20, going back there, it says that you did not learn Christ, uh, you didn't hear about Him that way, you haven't been taught in Him in that way. And so what, what's he saying there? Or, or maybe another way to put it is, where do we get that information today? Where do we get the information where does God or Christ teach us? Where is it that we hear about Him? Where is it that we're taught in Him? Church and the Bible, right? Okay, so when, we, when we're talking about reading here, I'm just kind of shortening it up. Shortening up. It's, it's more than just reading it, and that, that's why I want to take some time in, during the takeaway. It's more than just reading it. It's how do we gain this information about who Jesus is? How does Jesus Himself teach us? Well, he teaches us when we're reading the Bible. Okay? So that's where the truth is at for today. That's where, remember, chapter 1, that's where the revelation is today. It's in the Bible. We don't just get God talking to us. You know, it's in the Bible. So we read the Bible. We study the Bible. We, God teaches us. That's why we have the Holy Spirit in us. And we also learn about him. And we do that with our church family. That's why we need to be together as a church family. So we're reading it. We're studying it, we're spending time with him, we're spending time with our church family, learning all about it. And as we do that, it says, go back, as we do that, as we do that it says we'd be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Paul uses this word renewed a lot in his writings. That word there means to remodel. So I key in on this, right? So it means to remodel or renovate. And it's a passive, okay? So it's a passive verb, which means that it happens to us. It's not us doing it. We're not renewing ourselves. God's renewing us. How is he doing that? When we're reading the Bible, and as we spend time with our church family hearing the Bible taught and working Bible studies, that kind of thing, that there's a process that's happening to us. We may not even necessarily feel it happening. Probably won't feel anything other than the fact that our, we're thinking different on things. We're realizing things in our lives. But it's the Bible that's, that he's using with his Holy Spirit's help to get us to understand that. And so he renews our mind. He, re, he remodels the way we think. He's tearing down the old stuff, and he's building up with new stuff. If you come into my house, we're kind of halfway through that. 
literally, in our house. So we've tore out a bunch of the front of the house inside, and we've put stuff back in that's new. Now we're in the kitchen. We're in the process of remodeling that. We're tearing out some of the old stuff, and we'll be putting in some new stuff, and eventually we get to the back end of the house, and we'll tear that out. But it's a process. It's something that's going to take time. But here's the truth. The more time given to remodeling, I know this is a shocker. Okay, and this is like, Harold, you're so profound. I know, I know. The more time given to remodeling, the faster the job goes. Ask my wife. If I was able to spend six days a week working on the house, it wouldn't have taken us almost three years to get where we are today. But because I don't get six days a week, I get a few hours here and there, we're halfway through a project and we're three years into it which means she might have her house done in another three years. You know, I mean, it's that kind of thing, right? But, I mean, it takes time. But the key thing is, if we put a lot of time into it, there's a lot of remodeling that can happen. And so if we're willing to put a lot of time into God's Word, and we're, we want to be in it every single day, and we want to read it and know it and understand it, and we want to be with our church family, and we want to hear me talk about it, and you want to come to Bible study, and, and you want to be able to talk uh, about it with other people, as much as you do that is how fast God can renew and remodel and reshape your thinking. That's why it takes time and effort on our part. But if we're going to say like, eh, you know, oh, I don't know, I got better things to do like Judge Judy. You know, so I'm going to watch Judge Judy today, and uh, there's somebody else out here who knows what I'm saying. Um, you know, if, if we're going to do that, well, then the remodeling's not going to happen so fast, even though you'll get some moral teaching from Judge. Um, because she does have some moral standings, and I appreciate her so much. Um, but if we're not going to do that, if we're not going to be around our church family, because, you know, we've got better things to do on a Sunday morning, or if we're not going to be at, uh, at Bible study on Thursday night, because, you know, whatever the excuse is. My point is, the more effort we put into it, the more God can work in us, and we can change. Now, how can this be true? Because in Christ, we're not who we used to be. So here's all the stuff that we've talked about up to this point. Those verses were saying that we were futile in our thinking prior to Christ. Now, now we can know God's revelation, and we can have his wisdom to apply it into our lives because we are in Christ, because we're Christians, the Holy Spirit's in us. So our, our thinking is no longer futile. Futile means worthless, useless, of no help. That every time we've tried to do things in our own strength and we try to come up with our own plan, we screw it up every single time. We couldn't help that before, but now we can. Why? Because we can read the Bible. God's Holy Spirit teaches us the Bible. He tells us how we're doing things wrong, and then he shows us how to do things right, and then gives us the power to do it right. It's awesome. We are darkening our understanding. Well, it says in chapter 1 that now we can have our minds enlightened. In other words, we can know what God wants. Pretty awesome. We were excluded from God, but now we have peace and are united with him. We were ignorant of him and kept towards him. Now we can know him intimately. Totally different worlds that we live in now. And then the last one, we were living for self. And now we should be living for God. The problem is a lot of Christians are still trying to do life like they did prior to coming to Christ. They haven't made the transition over. They may go to church once in a while, they may read the Bible once in a while, but they're not fully focused committed to doing what needs to be done so God can 
renovate our thinking and do life the way God wants us to do it. So we need to be on that first step. We have to be doing that first step. If we don't do the first thing, nothing else. I'm having some mic problems here. One second. I'm going to do something here. I'm tucking my shirt into my pocket, Tristan. So let's see if that helps. All right. Moving on. Second one. We're, we're going to... Um, well, the second one I think is important. We're going to see if this works. Uh, I, got so, I brought somebody in special on video to be able to teach you the second one quickly and effectively, I believe. So you guys go ahead and show it. Hopefully it happens. Should I lay down? Oh, no, no, no. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And uh, let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And uh, and I I don't make change. All right. <laughs> and go. <laughs> go. Well, tell what? me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm... Uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! So, uh, if you're familiar with that, that skit, it's kind of funny. So, that's the two words, stop it, but I'll give you a little bit more information from what God's Word says. I just thought that was kind of funny. Evidently, you guys may not have. So, um, so, we need to stop it. We need to make a determined decision to not do life the old way, to do life like we used to do it, all right? So, it says this. Again, we read already that we didn't learn Christ this way, that we, with, that we didn't hear him this way, we weren't taught him in this way. Um, actually, you go back one, Hagen. One more. There you go. And he says that you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of the seat. And then we'll talk more about this. But this so that's the next thing we do. We, we read it, first part of the passage, 
we understand it, we spend time with them, and the more we do that, the more our thinking changes, the more our thinking changes, because what we think is how we live. And so then he says, you lay aside the old self. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, he means stop it, all right, which we've already talked about. But that literally means to strip off. It's like taking off dirty clothes. You've you got dirty clothes on, you don't want those clothes on anymore, so you, you get rid of those, you make a determined effort, get rid of these clothes, take it off, do something with it. It's in the aorist tense, which means that this is something that is, it's a definite point in time decision that needs to be made, and it's connected to salvation. And so what he's saying there is, when you came to Christ for salvation, so if you did that and you're not understanding this, now you're learning this, that when you, when you turned your life over to Christ, you made a determined, conscious choice to no longer do life the way you were living life. In every way that that becomes obvious to you, that God's going to make obvious to you. And so it's a determined choice to lay aside how you used to do life and then do, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. But that choice has impact every single day of our lives from that point forward. And so every time we bump up against something where we want to do it our way, God tells us, no, you remember, do it my way. Now we have a decision to make. And so the aorist, hence, would say, make the choice. Do it God's way. Toss off the old way. No, I'm not going to do it my way anymore. I'm going to do it God's way. It's really, it's that simple. It's that easy. And like I said, what we think determines how we live. So, if we think we know better than God, we're going to do stuff rather than the way God says it. But if we think, okay, no, God's way is better than ours, then we're going to begin moving in a direction to starting to do life God's way. Again, this is a process. This is circular. It's constant. It's ongoing. But we, we need to make a determined decision to put off. I'm not going to do life God's way. Which, whichever self we feed is the self that lives. So if, I'm, if I continue to feed myself, literally, by doing life my way, then I'm going to be the one who lives. But if I feed myself God's Word, the new self that I really am, then I'm going to begin to move away from doing life my way and doing life God's way. And again, people are well, how does that happen? I don't know. God does it. You know, I mean, it's, it's one of these things where why, why, does one, why does a person finally decide I'm not going to do whatever? The only reason I can give you is that they've probably spent time enough in God's Word where she, they've gotten to the point where they're, they're trusting Him and they believe what he says, probably from seeing him do some other stuff in their lives, that they go ahead and I'm going to make that decision, and I'm going to do it God's way. No matter how hard it is, no matter what people might say, I'm going to do it God's way. They take that step, and pretty soon, wow, this is what we talked about in chapter 1, right? Knowing God, that word there means experientially. Seeing him at work in your life, and then having confidence in him. But it's a process. It's, it's something you have to be willing to do in order to experience. And you have to be willing to feed God's Word into your life rather than
way. So we're reading God's word, we're, we're growing, we're understanding, we're choosing not to do life our way. And then it says this, put on the new self. Take off those old clothes, put on the new clothes, right? One of the things I was thinking about this week was we're adopted into God's family, right? So we were, we were you know, kids living out on the street, if you want to put it that way, and then the, the king adopted us. Well, the king wants to put some new clothes on us. And who of us wouldn't want new clothes after living on the street all of our lives, right? So we're adopted into God's family, so he wants to take off all those old clothes, and he wants to put on new clothes on us. Go back. Yep, thank you. As being, uh, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth, which is pretty, pretty cool. We're going to talk about it real quick here. So we put on a new self. We, we do it. We do life God's way. We make a conscious, determined choice. The same thing is laid aside. We make a conscious, determined choice to put God's way into practice, to do life His way. It's an aorist middle. It's the same thing. When we made a choice to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, Lord means one who's controlling our lives. And so we made a choice then, and now we're going to show the reality of that choice as we hit different choices throughout our day, every single day. And it's just an ongoing process because we made a choice to follow Christ that we now make this choice each time to do life God's way. And it's been created in a likeness of God. So we were spiritually dead. Now he's given us spiritual life. And it's kind of a cool concept because what God's doing is is he's remodeling um, and renovating our lives so that we can look like we were back when Adam and Eve were first created. Created in the image of God. When we sinned, that image was distorted. And so it didn't quite look, it doesn't quite look right. We still do something, you know, we're humans, and so we have emotions, but our emotions are screwed up. And we have intellect, but our intellect's screwed up. And, and we can worship, but we worship other things other than God. I mean, it's, we're all screwed up. But when we give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in, and now He's recreating us, reforming us to look more like Christ. And we've talked a lot about that recently. I'm going to quickly go through what changes will you see in your life if you choose to do this? And, and really, the rest of the letter are these changes, but these are just the ones that are in this chapter. You'll find yourself choosing truth over lies. You'll find yourself being motivated and realizing, you know, I need to be telling the truth here. I lied, and I need to make that right. Your, your, your heart and your mind will just start moving in that direction. Why? Because God's at work. You're in his word. And again, if you're not in his word, this isn't going to happen. If you're in his word, this will happen. All right? So we got to get that? All right. So your truth will replace lies. Peace will replace anger. The thing that's great here, he says, be angry, but don't sin. What's he saying? I think what he's saying there is, yes, there is such a thing as called righteousness, but I also think he's saying this. There are times in our lives, people say something to us, and our instant response is anger, frustration, irritation, right? Okay, well, that's going to happen. We're human. Somebody you know, rear-ends me when I'm driving my car, I'm going to be a little irritated. But as soon as I open that door, now Christ needs to come out of me. So I'm, every, I'm, 
Someone says something to me, oh, man, and then, no, no. Lord, give me the strength to not do it, to not respond like I want to. Help me to respond the way you want me to. And don't let the sun go down in your anger. In other words, don't let this go on. Because the more you let it go on, the more you're going to begin living and acting like Satan does. And that's the whole point about giving Satan an opportunity. Work or and generosity replaces stealing. And so if you're, you know, think of all the different ways you can steal. Just literally stealing, taking things from people, cheating at school, um, you know, uh, lying on your time sheet. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of different ways you can steal. Well, you're going to realize, oh, that's wrong. I shouldn't be doing that. And so then you need to work and be generous. And reverse that. Helpful responses replace hurtful responses. How we say things, what we say, the words we use. And if forgiveness will replace unforgiveness. It talks about bitterness and, and anger and clamor. That's all because we're not forgiving people. And so we're angry people. We're, we're you know, want to argue with people and always mad all the time. Well, as we spend time with God, God changes the way we think. And how we think is how we live. So that change will happen. All right, let me, uh, let me take the rest of the time um, to do a couple takeaways. The first one is where I want to spend some time with you, okay? So the first one is this, read it. In other words, spend time with God in conversation. I'm using the word read, but I kind of want us all to not think about reading. Because when we think about reading, we think, we think about sitting there and reading a chapter, and about halfway through, we're about to fall asleep. Am I right? Because I know that's how I am. Just, you know, FYI, just I'm, out. So I want us to change our practice of what we mean when we say reading the Bible. So there's reading and studying, and there's a little more in depth. But I want us to change the way we think when we think reading. Well, I want us to think about it as a conversation with God. So this is how it would look. And, and just FYI, this is what I do. So I'm just giving you something that I do. And you, you can take it or leave it. It's free advice. Um, so throw the verse up there again, Hagen. So this is what I would do in the morning. First, I would uh, grab my journal <clears throat> and my Bible. I usually use my phone um, at this point in the morning. And so I have my phone, get to in Ephesians, and I have my journal. And I start writing, and I, just, I write out a prayer to God. And I remind myself, I tell him, but I'm reminding myself that he's sovereign, he's God, I'm not, his way is the way it's supposed to go, not my way, not my will, but your will be done, all that kind of stuff. And I'm putting that down, okay? And then I, you know, I ask him, um, fill me with your Holy Spirit in order to give me insight and understanding. And so what I want is I want to know what God says. So then I read, and I'll read, um, you know, sometimes I'll just like read six verses, and then I'll go back. And then I go, I do this. So then I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles or non-Christians. Verse, what was that, verse 17. Heavenly Father, forgive me for the times this week or yesterday that I, I failed to live as if I was a Christian. Forgive me for the times that I, um, you know, was short with Kim or uh, was irritated with somebody on the road or, and I, whatever, whatever the Lord brings back to my mind as I'm sitting there, I write that down. I'm having a conversation with God. God's speaking to me. I'm speaking to Him, and His Holy Spirit's giving me understanding and insight as to where, where I've been messed up. All right? And then, in the futility of their mind, verse 17b, second part of verse 17. 
Heavenly Father, help me to, to know um, when it was, you know, when have I been thinking in a useless way? When has my mind been futile, useless, worthless? And, and then he may bring to my mind, you know, when you were sitting there watching Judge Judy and you were just kind of, you know, zoned out. And then, so then I apologize, Lord, forgive me and help me to, I kind of quit using that Judge Judy thing because it's getting convicting because, you know, I like watching Judge Judy. It's awesome. You know, and so anyway, I just, I literally just worked through the passage. And, and I, I have a conversation with God. Ask him, reveal to me where I'm not doing this. Forgive me when I, I know for sure that I haven't done it. Help me to do it your way. And I'm having a conversation. So yes, I'm reading, but I'm also conversing. You know, I'm having a conversation with God. He's speaking to me. I'm speaking to him. And his Holy Spirit's giving me understanding and insight. And it becomes just a, every day, that conversation. And it's interesting because then throughout the day, these verses will come back to my mind. Who's doing that? The Holy Spirit. And so during the, during the day, I might have a thought about something or a situation, and the Holy Spirit like, eh, 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 wrong attitude, wrong attitude. Ah, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. No, this is the right, this is what I need to be thinking about. Okay? So I'm challenging you, and the longer we put into this, the more time we put into this, the quicker the renovation happens, the quicker the desire to lay aside the old way and to take up the new way and do it God's way. And then the second thing is this. Stop and do it. By that I mean determine right now, right here, right now. Yes, Lord, tell the Lord right now in your mind, your heart, pray to God, say, God, I need to do this. Help me to do this. This is what I need to do. Not because Harold's saying it, because God's saying it in his word. And then, as you're spending time with God, and as you start thinking about what life is going to be like, because you know what Monday is going to be like, right? You know what your boss is going to be like on Monday morning. You know what might set him off, or her off. You know what that customer, or at least you're going to have some customer come in who's going to be ticked off. Or you, you know what interaction you're going to have with your spouse or with your kids or with your parents. And so you, you have to be thinking, because now you have the mind of Christ, you have to be thinking about, okay, I know these things are coming, so I need to think through how am I going to respond now for what's going to happen on Monday or on Tuesday or on Wednesday or on Thursday. And so it takes time. It takes effort. God, you know, we walk around and go, oh, screwed up there. Oh, screwed up there. You know, and God's like, what are you doing? I gave, I gave you everything you need. You know, don't walk around like you don't know what's going on. You know what's going on. And so too often I think we, we do that. We, you know, we kind of deceive ourselves and think, well, you know, I don't, yeah, well, you know, it's been a rough day today, so I'll let that one slide. No, especially when it's a rough day, we need to not let it slide. But it's thinking about it. It's praying about it. It's spending time with God, working through it. That makes sense. You make it that okay. I don't know what time it is because my clock in the back isn't here. We have time for a song, or should I wrap it up? Who wants to have a closing song this morning? You guys, we'll let you guys decide. All right, I'm going to pray, and you guys can kind of worshipfully come up and get things ready while I pray. Okay. Lord, we want to thank you for today. And uh, as we close out the service this morning with, with a song and worshiping you, um, 
We just thank you for what you're doing in our church family. Uh, Lord, I just pray specifically for what we've talked about this morning, that, um, man, we need to get this. And Lord, forgive us for the times that we, we don't and where we've been lazy and we've let life kind of take over in our lives rather than say, no, no, we're not going to do it that way anymore. I'm going to do it God's way. Because, man, when, you, when we do it your way and we see you take over and change things, we just grow in our, our relationship with you and our trust of you and our confidence in you. And as we're doing it as a church family, then our church is healthier and, and we're able to be used by you in a more impactful way. So, Lord, we, um, I just pray that you'd help each one of us in our area of life, to, to get this locked down and that we would choose to spend time with you in your word and then watch you make the changes in our lives that you want to make. So again, Lord, thanks for this opportunity as we continue to worship you as we close. Let's pray for your blessing on our lives in Christ's name. Amen.